Hi, I'm Suzanne. And I'm Peter. And together we are Sex Advice for Seniors. And um, today we're talking to um, James Earl, um, who is a relationship uh, counsellor and has been a philosopher at the American University in Richmond. And um, we wanted to talk to him really about some of the things that are brought up in the uh, in an article he's written recently, the uh, connection between love and sex, really. Um, and I think we were both interested in this uh, sense that we have from your article that expectation that uh, love and sex should be combined and that, you know, that creates all sorts of problems. Is, uh, have I got that right? Yeah, you're too, exactly right. I mean, I think the the problem is not that the two um, don't have a relationship. It's the kind of relationship they right. have. Right. So if I can use a sort of metaphor, which is maybe helpful. Um, if I was going to go to an art gallery, mm. uh, I love going to art galleries. Uh, I really do. I can <laughs> happily walk around <laughs> an art gallery by myself. But uh, especially in a new city, new, new art gallery. But um, yeah. If I was yeah. going to do that, I would probably prefer to walk around that art gallery with my partner because I know that she likes the post-impressionists and I like Rembrandt and she can't quite understand why I like Rembrandt. <laughs> and she, I can't quite understand why she likes Suzanne, but, you know, there yeah, we are. Yeah. And we have a really great time, good good sort of argumentative uh, experience. And when we come out, we feel quite loved up. Um, now, compare that to say, a random person that I just pick off the street, I think that might be quite a boring experience. Mm. So clearly, being in the art gallery with someone you love is probably going to be a better experience. Yeah. However, yeah. this is the thing. If I was walking around the art gallery and said, isn't it lovely being here? I love you so much. I, this is why we're here, because I love you. She'd be looking a little quizzical, and then I'd go on, but it really is fantastically loving being in this art gallery. She'd say, shut the one up and just look at the pictures, you know? Um, so the point is not that love can't get you into the position where you might want to have sex, and afterwards you might feel very loved up. It's just that the, the, the actual sexual relationship isn't pr predominantly about um, love. It's about sex. Uh, which is kind of obvious, but I think a lot of people miss it. Yeah. I think what happens yeah. is we believe that what the function of sex is to express love. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's not a kind of helpful view because really the whole of the relationship should really be about love, about kindness, caring, thoughtfulness, bearing you in mind mm. and all that stuff. And to sort of say that specifically sex is about doing that seems to me to make sex do too much work yeah. and also yeah, yeah. to demean the rest of the relationship in terms of where love actually should be. But isn't that kind of the fate of sex, really, that it's, it becomes entangled with love and an expression of love? And in many ways, the, the, the most basic expression of the love that we may feel to someone and anything that gets in the way of it can be a real threat, not to, not just to sex, but to love. I it? think so. I mean, I I think the the whole point about love is that it's the it's the feeling of connectedness and caring that we get with somebody, mm. and that one of the ways in which we can enjoy their enjoy enjoy that connection is sexually. But there's nothing specific about sex. Yeah 
um, yeah. that is connected to love in that respect. It's just that it's a, you know, so basically it's on a list. We can go out for dinner, we can play chess, yeah. we can have sex, we can play cards, we can go for a walk, we can talk about the day. Um, it, it's not any more yeah. significant than that. But what we tend to do with it is say, oh, it's far more significant than that. For example, it's the key thing that distinguishes you from friends. And yeah. that the, the yeah. you know, the, the fundamental... Now, actually, it's very rarely the key thing that distinguishes us from friends. The key thing is usually that we're living together, probably have kids together, share a mortgage together, we're, we're sharing a life together. Yeah. That's way more yeah. than, you know, well, what's happening in a bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Apart from one thing, I think. I mean, you can play chess with anyone you like. <laughs> and you can go out and play football with any team you like, you know. But we we seem to have gone down the route of sex is only with this one person that, it, 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 you know, it's not just on a list, but it's always at the head of the list somehow. And well, I agree, that's, I, I agree that's how it's conceptualised, but I don't think that's actually a particularly good model. And um, I think that, that yeah. you know, sometimes our language tries to embody that idea. So, for example, we talk about when we young free and single or just dating we have sex and then when we're sort of committed to somebody we don't have sex we make love to them but the problem with that is really that the quality of the sex you have with somebody that you have been with for a long time is not the same as the quality of the sex you have with somebody you first meet and unfortunately most people recognize when they first meet somebody in that first few weeks the sex is usually good fun really good fun and quite often that does go missing later on. Now, if you think about it, if sex was dependent on love, yeah. at that time when you first meet, when you don't love somebody, it's good. And when you're later on in the relationship, two, three years in, ten years in, and it's not so good, where you do have love, it seems to me rather ironic that we say sex is an expression of love and dependent on love. It's just not. And that's really not to say that love with people you've just, sorry, sex with somebody you've just met, is likely to be better. I, I really don't think that actually. All that we're working on there is a an enjoyable feeling of novelty and newness, um, and I think therefore a lot of people say what goes wrong is that we lose the novelty and newness, and then you know sex isn't as interesting. But I and I think that's probably part of Esther Perel's um, thesis. You know the the her famous mating yeah. in captivity, which I, I really admire actually. It's a yeah. wonderful book. <clears throat> but I, I think it kind of mistakes the problem. I think the problem isn't that we um, we lose novelty and we should try and get it back by somehow being mysterious to each other. I mean, I had a, um, a client, in fact, who read uh, Esther Perel's book at my suggestion. And she said, oh, it's a very interesting thesis. What she says is that, you know, we try to be uh, best friend, co-parent business partner and red hot lover it's too long a list and yeah, i said yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's yeah. that's what she's saying but but then my client said the trouble is what she seems to be saying is that you should add something else into that list which is you should be mysterious too and she says that's it's really difficult to be that as well so i yeah. think it's, it's not really about the loss of novelty and I think what it's really about is the idea that um, if we trust somebody, we can really express our sexuality to them. And that you cannot do with somebody you've just met. Not usually anyway. It's very hard to do that. Mm-hmm. What you're experiencing with somebody you first met is... I would argue completely the opposite of that, actually. <laughs> would you? Yeah. absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that I am much more free 
to be absolutely liberated in whatever fantasy I have with someone with whom I have no investment. In fact, I love having anonymous fantasy oriented strangers because there's no repercussions. I can literally just be expressive in that way without any fear that anything that I might do might not appeal to this person that I've only just met. In fact, I think that a lot of swinging relationships, for instance, are completely about keeping your relation, your love relationship in that zone, which is kind of monogamous, you know, predictable sex and using um, other people as a way to express fantasies because that way, if the person that you're with isn't up for whatever you're into, you've, you haven't lost anything. Whereas there's an enormous amount that you're gonna lose. And this is my challenge with a lot of this is that often we go into relationship talking about any of this stuff we then find that we're with someone who's quite vanilla and we're the complete opposite of vanilla. And we, and that person's not up for kinkiness at all because it's just not on there. They're just not interested. It's not, it's not their thing. Right. So then we've got this big decision to make about well, what do we do now? Cause we're, we're committed to each other. We've done something. And now we're going down this road having kids I mean this was my experience I you know I got married in my 20s I didn't talk about sex with anybody with my husband we didn't discuss our fantasies then one day when we hadn't had sex for a while he I said he said something about sex and I said if you want to have sex with me you know what why don't you just put on some porn and I might get a little bit aroused right mm. and he went you're a sicko and that was the end of that discussion and and, and eventually off we went our merry way. So I personally think it's, it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile people's desires once you've actually made that commitment. You're, yeah, well, invested, you're invested and then you're like, oh God, I, I now need to tell somebody that clearly is submissive that I'm submissive. Like, oh, and you're submissive. Oh, that's not gonna work. I, I actually, agree with everything you just said because i think the stakes at the beginning of a relationship are really low and the stakes in a long-term relationship are really high and so if you're going to risk actually sharing and being yourself sexually it's much more difficult in a long-term relationship and that's precisely why i don't tend to get people who've just met coming to see me i get couples that need to go a long time the question is whether it's boredom and familiarity which is doing it because i don't think it is i think it's exactly what you're saying which is a lack of sharing who we actually are and although you can do that very low stakes with somebody you've just met sometimes you know it's not uh, it's not difficult because if they don't like it you can just say you know whatever uh, but but with a long-term partner it is possible because you can actually say if i trust you enough and you trust me enough we can actually have a real conversation where not only do we is the promise that we get better sex out of it. But actually, I feel really accepted by you at that level, which is fantastic. Now, that's not entirely possible with an, 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 a new person because it doesn't have the context of 
of trust around it. It just has the low risk around it, which is, yeah, which is great. It's not needed at that point. Is it's it? not needed. Yeah, exactly. At that point, because well, if you are investing yourself into a relationship and you don't discuss these things up front very early on in a relationship, yeah. which you want some form of commitment, sure. and you then get quite far down the road and you're, you get incredibly frustrated because your sex desires and stuff are not aligned and then sure. you decide that you're going to have that conversation and they're really not aligned yeah then what do you do at that point but so i define what you mean by relationship as well because at what stage this takes place do you have children are you got a mortgage together all these sort of boring <laughs> things to do with being in a, in a relationship it then yeah. becomes and all that all, all that all that routine and hamster wheel stuff yeah, yeah. undoubtedly weighs things down. But I think your your question about what do you do when two styles don't match? Mm. Clearly, when you've just met somebody and they don't match, you just say, "Well, the easiest thing is just to find somebody yeah, yeah, who right. does match." Yeah. When two people love each other and want to be together, but their sexual styles don't match, the really important thing is to conceptualize it differently. So, what you're not, not what you're not doing and this is imported from the love model, is to talk about a co-created experience, you know, probably ending in crashing mutual orgasms. What you're talking about is is a one-way, um, a more of a one-way experience, where Tuesday night is your night, Suzanne, and Friday night is uh, your night, Peter, you know, and, and, and we deliver for the other person. Now, what do you get out of delivering for the other person because that's not really your stuff or your thing. What you get out of that is what Jacques Lacan says, which is desire is always the other person's desire. So when I see you really kind of like out there um, and, and transported, that works for me. And yeah. equally, when you're delivering for me, that works for me. So both ways around it works. It's just a different experience. Yeah. And it acknowledges the thing that I think the, you know, sex is an expression of love model doesn't acknowledge, which is that, sexuality is individual it's not co-created it's yours and it's yours and and if we look at it like that we are far closer to how we see everything else in our relationship like our taste in music yeah. Yeah. imagine if you two said our taste you know me and peter's taste in music is x it would be creepy me and <laughs> peter's taste in food is y that would be creepy. Um, so what we do is we, we, we as we get to know each other, we, we love the differences. We go to Indian or Chinese. Occasionally, just occasionally, we find an Indian-Chinese fusion, but it's not very often. And, and occasionally we eat Mexican, which we both kind of like. But, you know, basically I've got to say, yeah, let's go for a Chinese. I know you love Chinese. I love seeing you love Chinese. And I quite like Chinese, you know, but it's not necessarily my thing. Look at it like that. The journey of discovery with somebody that you really like is exactly the same thing. You feel accepted, you feel different, yeah. it's dynamic, and the sex is more rooted in the individuals. I think what goes wrong in long-term relationships is we never actually share ourselves, and that's that's the thing that we do in other areas but not in sex. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's the same problem, I suppose, really, um, that you know the the real problem comes when one person goes to the chinese restaurant on a friday night and the other person in the partnership goes to the indian restaurant with somebody else on a friday night you know, well that's right you know, how do you how do you make that transition from novelty and difference 
Um, if we're going to stick with Lacan, you know, <laughs> de France, you go, what, what, how do you make that, that transition to a place where you can both do separate and different things without it being a threat to the relationship? And that's, I think, what it comes down to for a lot well, of people. I think you can you can definitely, if you want to, you know, go down the other partner's route. And my suggestion is usually that you don't do that illicitly because actually the person that's having the affair may feel like they're getting that balance then. You know, they get the balance of the security. But actually what they end up feeling is they're doing the existential splits and it never quite sits. And that's ignoring the ethics and the, you know, honesty issue. But the, um, you know, I think people in more open relationships can find that that can work but i think the key thing is we would quite like to experience that that sort of power of our our you know sexual interest in the primary relationship that's not a, an ad, advert for monogamy because i think it's just a model it's just saying that you know that that is quite often what we're yearning to do if only we could but i think there is a way through to that not not it's not guaranteed but i think it's it's basically a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. a lot of trying to understand what it is that makes the other person's lights go on which is nothing usually to do with techniques positions always with touching but it's all to do with the general vibe and theme yeah, and approach yeah, yeah. and also the ways in because yeah, you know that's one, the, that's one of the um aspects of polyamory for example that uh people quite find quite difficult is that it's endless bloody negotiation and yeah. conversation you know you gotta talk about everything all the time you just you know you just want to so, that's, that's so true because i was uh, you know i mean as a relationship therapist i i get off asked to do strange things sometimes but you know the rule book in a monogamous relationship is essentially don't snog other people. <laughs> the rule book in a, the rule book in an open relationship. I I was asked to help them write it, and it ran oh, to three three pages <laughs> because it involves things like you know, do I spend money on my other person? You know, if I take them out for dinner, no, that takes money out of our joint economy. Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah, here's yeah. the here's the really big one: Am I allowed to veto your choices? Uh, well, there's no correct answer to that because if the answer is no, you're not allowed to veto my choices. Okay, then I can date your brother. No, of course not. All right, then yeah, you can yeah. veto my choices. Uh, well, yeah, I don't particularly like Sophie. You can't have a relationship with her. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's really hard. And in, come sorry. <laughs> yeah, my other question is that obviously, as sex advice for seniors, you know, we do come across. Um, issues around just loss of libido um yeah. you know women during the menopause um, yeah. men's lack of testosterone and yeah. issues around erectile dysfunction sure. um, people shame around these sorts of things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so that's just completely aside from some of the stuff that goes on around negotiating you know our individual desire absolutely what happens if one person as an example just stops having desire and it's not because they don't love their partner it's just simply yeah. because you know they've Sex reached a point the in their life yeah. where it's just not you know they're just not feeling it and, and i think if that's the case i i mean loss of libido can have physical causes and it's worth checking those out mm. 
Um, but equally, it can be exactly as you say, just an emotional change in a person and a, and a loss of interest. I think generally, if, if we talk about high libido and low libido, we're more often looking at I'm getting what I want and I'm not so much getting what I want. So there's a sort of discouragement on the one side. And so actually, again, conversation can open that one up. But I think if you, if there's genuinely a, you know, a, a loss of interest on one side, then I think there's a conversation about how you manage that, because I don't think it's necessarily, you know, um, easy to do that within the couple if, if, you know, you've just lost that sort of uh, um, that drive. But it's it's uncommon. You know, I think, you know, what strikes me is people said, oh, I haven't thought about sex for the last 10 years. I don't, I'm not, it's not really, it doesn't really bother me. I don't even masturbate. You know, it's just not really part of my world. Mm. And then something happens in the relationship and then they form a new relationship and suddenly they're having sex three times a night. Mm. And and it all comes rushing back, you know, and I think it's quite often we internalize our feeling of it not really working for us. We switch, we switch the volume down. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we kind of, um, I mean, I said in an earlier uh, podcast, I think, um, that that's why we have affairs, because we're looking for that novelty, that new experience. You know, we're not necessarily looking for a new love or a new partner or, or mm. you know, something like that. You're just looking for the novelty and, and, sure. and the, the different experience, you know. And I think if we weren't, uh, if we didn't tie into our primary relationship of feeling that cheating is about, you know, not bearing the other person in mind, not parenting them, then it wouldn't yeah, be so yeah. distressing. There's people that choose to go into, um, you know, polyamorous or open relationships of different kinds generally don't feel jealous and don't feel that their their other person, that you know, their person has left them if they're sleeping yeah. with somebody else because it's not. Yeah. It's not a. It's a, that is the product of monogamy mostly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, look. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have, especially as older people, is that we, for many of us, we have not been taught to talk about sex, mm. and so opening up the conversation around all of this stuff is it can seem like a massive big deal for people. Mm -hmm. So what are your suggestions with regard to taking those little baby steps to okay. getting to a point where you can talk about it? Because I know that for me, it took getting to the end of my marriage to sure. do that. And then once I did that, I realized, oh God, this isn't so scary after all. And then no. I, I do that. And now it's just, I'm, I have that vernacular. I'm really comfortable yeah. talking about it, but sure. I realize I'm very unusual in that way because a lot <laughs> of people don't. That's yeah. true. I think the way of opening up a conversation is possibly without, um, you know, putting too much stress on the job I do to have a third person there. Because one of the things that happens is if I talk to my partner, so, you know, I'm talking to you about sex and you're, implicated in the issue i'm talking about we get very defensive so sometimes when we can talk about it through a third party it's easier but there is another way you can do it which is you can talk about your own thoughts preferences fantasies without talking about that being in the in the relationship 
by talking about a book you've read, a film you've seen, an article you've read, and, and putting it outside the couple can really assist that process. And if you get used to doing that quite a lot, and in fact, I recommend to, to couples, they have regular seminars on sex where they're not allowed to discuss the sex they're going to have or have had. They, they mustn't relate it to their own sex. They just talk about, you know, why is porn so popular? Why do people enjoy dogging? What is the thing around BDSM? What is kink? You know, all these intellectual topics. And it sort of opens them up to the idea that, you know, this isn't, you don't have to be defensive when you're talking about things you like. And slowly it can become more personal, but, you know, it's a way of doing it. Yeah, and people yeah, sometimes, they can you know, don't that <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, actually, Peter, I what I do is I I try and stress when I'm saying you know let's have a seminar about sex. I don't mean with me there, but you know let's imagine having that in a pub. Firstly, do it in a pub, and secondly, distinguish it from pillow talk, because if you find that it's a turn on, well, you're going to have to keep that to yourself. <laughs> and, but you know that's not a bad effect, but it's not it's not one that you're actually no, see, you're just seeking to no, get into yeah. the, the 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 whole idea that it's an interesting intellectual area, which of course it is, because we don't know why humans are born with this sort of ready-made ability to have, you know, peak experiences of pleasure, but they are. And it's, uh, well, you know... That, it's, that is the central question, isn't it? What what the hell is going on and why do we have yeah. these feelings? And what, you know, why is it so complicated? You know, yeah, it, for sure. why is it not just about procreation and everything else yeah. is incidental, you know? I think that the answer is that the evolutionary psychologists would have us believe yeah, that they yeah. make it nice so that we do it, so that the yeah, human yeah. race survives. But I, I kind of think it's the other way around. I think that that you know there's this there's this eroticism suffusing reality, which we tune into sometimes and other times we don't because we've got to get on with stuff. Uh, and evolution said, "Hey, that would be a good thing to hang what we do on. Let's get let's let's hang it on that." And then, so you know, it depends which is the, the which is prior. Um, I, I don't see any reason for saying that 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 reproduction is prior simply because you know ninety nine point nine percent of human sexual activity is nothing to do with reproduction. We're trying to avoid it like the plague. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, I, I, it's funny you were saying about uh, talking about shared fantasies and things. I did actually give a book that I really thought was super hot to somebody. Um, and they got into about five pages and they went, oh, I really thought this book was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> that would be that really. And so I keep coming back to the fact that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a nice philosophical discussion to have about this this sort of nirvana that we would all love to live in where yeah. I get my Wednesday and you get your Friday and everybody's yeah. like happy with that and <laughs> I get to do something to my partner that frankly doesn't turn me on at all and they get to do something to me that frankly doesn't turn them on at all yeah. and they love seeing me turned on because that's how much they love me and yeah. I love being turned on because that's how much I love them. Yeah. The reality is... I don't want to do that every bloody Friday. It becomes predictable and, sure. I, and I think, well, oh God, here we go again with the Friday and it's oh, so, like date nights. It's so know. boring, very, you know. Very difficult to get date nights right, you know, to set aside one 
one night when you you're not looking after the kids or you know you're not caring for whoever yeah either within or outside the relationship and it's just you two and then um you very often find that that doesn't work for a lot of people yeah um, that, that's like, true it's just becomes part, another part of the routine of the rut, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's get date night. I've got to be nice to them now, and you know. I, I think I think I'm just I'm just more of an optimist, maybe. I I tend to think, you know, I I like going to the music that my partner likes listening to. I like going to gigs when it's not necessarily my music, and you know, I I have a great time. I like going to yeah. art exhibitions which aren't exactly my thing and I have a great time and you yeah, know yeah, so, yeah. so sex can be seen in the same way if you want it to I, I mean it's there's no doubt that if it's aligned with you it gets better and better and that's exactly why I'm saying that you know the best sex is with somebody that you really connects with that agenda and and by, but that does take talking doesn't it you know that's the thing oh, it does oh, yeah. we've I said mean... all along that it's all about communication yeah exactly whatever yeah, yeah. the issue is every time has come up the question sure. well how do you actually talk about this how do you raise it within a relationship yeah What's and it's it, hard you know, is it a threat to the relationship do people yeah. avoid conversation yeah absolutely you know? Um, and and I, I think that's been the case every time, really. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot at stake when you, mm -hmm. like I said, when you have, if yeah. you've never discussed it before and you suddenly have these conversations and someone is, well, either they feel quite, um, you know, like they, that they're not good enough, right? Yeah. Or yeah. There can just be feelings of, well, you've only just told me this now. And yeah. how long have you been holding on to this for? Yes. And then you feel like, I did, did I, do I even know you? Yeah. I mean, that's why I always start at the beginning now, because I yeah. think you better get to know me now. Because yeah. I'm not going to dump this on you in like, a, you know, a few months time. And then you're going to go, uh, um, why didn't you tell me that six months ago? Yeah. So, Dan, I, I totally agree with that. I think couples that have a dialogue about it right at the beginning can use that conversation when things are not so great later on yeah. um but if you don't have it right at the beginning when things are working and i think most people's logic is if it's working why talk about it well yeah. talk about it because you will need to anything that might threaten it yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah. yeah yeah for sure i think i think that's right um the the only problem of course with that is and i keep bringing up problems um, <laughs> is that we're, we're not static beings you know we change over time as yeah, well. that's true. Yeah, yeah. so the thing that we were into or not into you know seven eight years ago when we first got together and we are now into how do you how do you deal with that introduction of new um of new uh, of new elements into the relationship sexual or whatever i mean i think sometimes if you introduce new ideas later on in a relationship it can be a shock but it can also liberate the other person to do the same yeah. so it can work both ways but yeah yeah it's an interesting question as well that you know one of the things that i've seen in couples that have been together very long um and and get into alternative lifestyles when things get a bit dull or yeah. you know they're past the procreation stage they've had their kids and now they've left home and they're looking at each other like let's spice things up a bit yeah and, 
those are the couples for me that seem to have the most exciting dynamic relationships because sure. they've gone from they've gone from doing the parenting thing and being in that family unit and then mm. moving to something different recognizing that now they can do something different there's nobody you know they don't have to they can walk around and rubber all sure. day long at home if they want they yeah. can they can yeah, yeah. naturism they can do whatever they want um i've certainly seen met lots of older couples on like the bdsm scene and in yeah. Swing yeah, yeah, yeah. and all those sorts of scenes where they get into it when when they've been together a while because they're like yeah we just we just thought let's try something let's new. try something new. yeah and yeah they were, and they were quite yeah it, and and i thought that's that's great when you can when you can go from that sort of vanilla type relationship to something alternative um and you know similarly if you start out as an alternative lifestyle person it does become a part of your if you're in a bdsm type of relationship and it's really working for you it's really it can if you're both really imaginative you can make that work over a very long period of time i think for sure yeah, yeah. With swinging as well because you know you're introducing novelty all the time you're always yeah. having fun you're meeting new people it starts to become social you do yeah. all sorts of things so i think you know it can work um as you said it's all down to talking about it and if you don't talk about it then frankly one there's person, no hope there's no hope no. yeah <laughs> i agree <laughs> Well, you were, you were a counsellor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's. I think that's been that's been great. We normally try and wrap these up at the kind of thirty minute mark. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, that's been that's been fascinating. Yeah, wonderful. wonderful, thank you. It's, it's really, great to meet you both. Thank you very much for inviting me, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. And we'll put down your social media and where people can contact you and everything like sure. that. Send me all of that on. I will do, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye.